My name is Jenna and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help you remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, welcome back to another episode of All the Hard Things. This one is going to be all about why someone in therapy might not open up or might have a hard time opening up. And it's important to talk about this because therapists need to know what might be going on for someone who's having a hard time opening up or being completely honest in the therapy session. I think clients also just really want to have that validation to know that this is kind of an awkward environment at times. It can be a complicated kind of relationship. And so I'm actually going to do two episodes on this topic. This episode is going to be all the reasons or kind of concerns that a person might have going into therapy or mid-therapy that contributes to maybe why they don't want to open up. And then I'm going to follow this up with another episode all about how to open up. So this one's going to be kind of the why episode. The next episode is going to be the how Um, specifically how to kind of overcome these concerns. And they're going to be really practical steps. So if you dig this episode, whether you're a therapist or a client, make sure you come back for the next episode because that's going to wrap it all up and give you a way to either challenge yourself or help you help your help your clients kind of challenge themselves more to open up in therapy so that they can get the most out of that experience. My goal with this episode is to first of all, normalize and just talk about why therapy can be so awkward in the first place to talk about some reasons why or reasons behind a client's hesitation and being able to be completely open and maybe even completely honest with their therapist. Third is to go over some reasons and kind of my responses and my thoughts as a therapist and kind of how I would encourage a client to restructure these concerns or considerations if these are something, some things that they're struggling with. And then lastly, for each of the reasons, I'm going to go over what therapists can do to kind of help nudge their clients in the right direction and help support them so they can hopefully build that rapport and move forward, whether that's being honest, whether it's, you know, whatever the situation, whatever the decision might be. And again, after this episode is going to be another as to practical tips and tricks of how to actually open up. So first things first, I just want to validate the fact that it's common and even normal to feel awkward when you start therapy or when you are kind of in the uh, beginning stages of really trying to open up about some really difficult stuff. If you've never been to therapy before, it totally makes sense why it would feel strange and awkward. Most things that are new 
are strange and awkward when we go and do it for the first time. So especially if you've never done therapy before, it can feel really anxiety provoking. Plus, it's an intimate relationship where even if you've been in therapy before, maybe you're seeing someone new, you're still being really vulnerable with someone that you don't know and that you don't know a lot of. And so it's this weird exchange where you are opening yourself up to a therapist and they're obviously not going to open themselves up back to you. That wouldn't be appropriate. Um, And that's just not the relationship and it shouldn't be the nature of the relationship. So I definitely get it. And I have been there before. I can also kind of imagine what it's like for, for clients. And as a therapist, I try to do my best to remind myself that even though this is a normal everyday part of the job for me, this is really scary for people coming in potentially. And even though I'm used to seeing new people every day and I've kind of habituated to hearing these colossal quote unquote things, and I've kind of learned how to process and handle these new relationships, they maybe have not done this before. And it really can be anxiety provoking for them. So even if they have been in therapy before, I'm still a new person. They're still, the client is still being vulnerable with me and they're not necessarily getting anything like that in return. Obviously what they're getting in return is my services and my ability to help them, but I'm not equal as far as giving back to them and being, you know, vulnerable right back with them. It's just not the nature of the relationship and it should not be. So I get it. And as therapists, I think it's important to remind ourselves of this uniqueness and the unique positions that our clients are in. And we need to remind ourselves of this often so that we don't forget to honor the fact that these clients have put it all out there and they're willing to show up for our help, despite all of the awkwardness. So as a therapist, sometimes I, I know it can be frustrating when a client doesn't open up or when you find out or have kind of uh, ideas or suspicions that maybe they're not being honest with you. From a therapist perspective, it can definitely hinder the relationship and hinder your progress in therapy if it actually doesn't do worse, which is harm the relationship and harm your progress. So at the very best, by not being open and being honest, you're definitely hindering the relationship and you're hindering your progress, but you could actually be doing the next level, which is to actually harm the relationship or harm your progress. So on to the reasons. So some of these reasons or some of these concerns for opening up in therapy were submitted by some of my followers on Instagram. So thank you, followers. Some of them were just my own observations from memory of either being in therapy myself or having clients tell me this up front during a session. So really quick, just a quick rundown of the nine fears or anxieties or kind of reasons I came up with, but I'm sure there are tons more. First of all, maybe the client is worried that they're not going to express themselves correctly. They are worried that the therapist won't understand them or what they're trying to say or that the therapist will think they mean something that they didn't actually mean. Two, they might be worried that the therapist will say that they're too severe. They might have to then go to the hospital or maybe they'll even be quote unquote dropped as a client. Three, maybe they're fearful that they'll receive an even worse diagnosis, quote unquote, or an even worse mental illness than OCD, than anxiety then postpartum depression or whatever. Four, 
especially when it comes to anxiety and OCD and intrusive thoughts. Maybe a therapist might think that these intrusive thoughts are things that actually happened. Maybe the client is afraid that the therapist will report them, will recommend that they become hospitalized. All those concerns can obviously be really scary. Fifth, maybe the client is legitimately or not legitimately fearful of the therapist doing something bad. I think we've all heard horror stories of therapists saying this awful thing or doing this inappropriate thing. And I'll get into this later, but maybe that's in the back of their heads. Who knows? And who knows what their trauma history is, so on and so forth. Sixth, maybe the client is fearful that the therapist will judge them or have a bad reaction. So maybe they're just feeling embarrassed. It can be really awkward and uncomfortable. Seven, maybe something about the therapist makes them uncomfortable. And again, more details to come on this. This could be legitimate. It could be more so your anxiety just trying to sabotage an opportunity for you to get well. Eight, you're just not sure how to get it out. Sometimes you're just kind of awkward and you don't know where to start and you're afraid of fumbling over your words and so you just want to avoid it altogether. And then the last one is that it just feels awkward. And as humans, we tend to want to self-preserve. We tend to want to not gravitate towards those situations. But as you know, if you know anything about my message that I hold really near and dear to my heart, if you know anything about exposure and response prevention, you know that by avoiding what feels awkward just makes things worse. So let's get into it. Let's get into each one a little bit more. And like I said, each one, I'm going to talk about it from the client's perspective. I will talk about it like just what my initial kickback to that fear is from a therapist perspective. And then I'll also give you recommendations if you're a therapist listening, how you can help your client kind of challenge this fear if this is something that they're struggling with. So first things first, just going on the list. If you're worried or if your client is worried that they're not going to express themselves correctly or that the therapist is not going to understand what they're trying to say, or will think that they meant something they did not mean. This is totally possible. We, as therapists, are human, and we make mistakes in communication all the time. With that said, I think the absolute surefire way to not express yourself correctly is to either not tell the whole story of what's going on, not to open up completely, or to actually be dishonest. If what you want, which is to get your therapist to understand you, then we definitely 100% cannot do that without knowing the whole story of what's going on. But with that said, I also totally understand how this information sometimes and your backstories can seem really loaded to you and it can seem like there's a lot of pressure in communicating that. It can feel like a lot of it is kind of like a lot of your progress in the experience of therapy is kind of riding on your report of what happened or what is happening. And some of that's true. A lot of therapy does kind of ride on what you report. It also rides on what you don't report. So as therapists, you know, we also would would ask you to clarify if we don't understand something or if we give you the idea that we don't understand something correctly. We can repair that. We can fix that. So this actually happens all the time in therapy, and we usually recover the conversation and the therapeutic process pretty easily. As a therapist, as far as a recommendation goes for helping a a client kind of charge through this, if this is a concern of a client of yours, I would definitely start out by normalizing 
but also by encouraging them that the number one way to, like I said, kind of ensure that they do not communicate the most important things to you is to not communicate the important things to you. Establish that it's okay and even expected for you two to sometimes not communicate the best. Any complicated relationship, any deep personal relationship is going to have those miscommunications. It means that you're talking about the important, the difficult stuff. It's okay to have those misunderstandings. Just let your client know that you'll be there and you're open and you're willing to be corrected so that you can figure it out together. Worry number two, worried that your therapist is going to say that your case is too severe and that they don't know how to deal with your issues or that you might be quote unquote dropped as a client. And again, this is possible. This whole this is possible thing is going to be a theme here if you haven't realized. So all of these potential worries and fears are possible. Again, there are a lot of therapists out there and these relationships can be tricky. They can be beautiful, but they can also be very complex and difficult. I can't safeguard you 100% against any of these concerns or fears. And the truth is anything is possible because everything is uncertain. With that said, as a therapist who works with people all the time who are super severe, the most severe symptoms you can have without requiring inpatient, I can say that if someone does end up being too severe, we do not just quote unquote drop clients. It's part of our job to do adequate discharge planning. It is possible that if we feel we're not a good fit to suit your needs because we aren't well versed in the treatment that you actually do need, or if we feel we're practicing outside kind of of our knowledge basis, or if you would legitimately be served in a different area or different level of care, then yes, we would hopefully have that discussion with you, go over our rationale for that decision, and also refer you to that place or to that person. So this is a collaborative process. This is a process that you should be made aware of and have a say in. Um, So it should not be that you are just quote unquote dropped. As a therapist, you can help your clients with this fear by letting them know the process and potentially even letting them know about the different levels of care. So letting them know maybe what qualifies the necessity and the need for each of these levels of care. For instance, in my area, we have outpatient, which is just the traditional one or two times a week with an outpatient therapist. Then we also have what's called IOP or intensive outpatient, which is about 15 to 20 hours a week. Now, that's just our programs. I don't know necessarily about other programs throughout the country. So definitely ask your therapist or look them up online. But then the next highest level of care is partial, uh, partial hospitalization program, PHP, um, which is going to be, like I said, the next level of, of programming, and that's about 40 hours per week. Then after that, you have residential, which is where I am, and that is 24-7 care. These are the most severe cases that do not require inpatient, which is the highest level of care that you can get. So inpatient is the most severe level of care, and what separates inpatient from residential is that usually someone in inpatient is an imminent risk of hurting themselves or others. So if that is the case, and as a client you are feeling unsafe, then absolutely, 100%, it is necessary for you to talk about how you feel with your therapist so they can talk to you about a safety plan and ensure that you're safe in that regard. But again, as a therapist, just encouraging your clients to consider the different levels of care and encouraging open communication about how much they're struggling so that they can get the care they need. 
also reframing any type of referring out um, as a means of trying to get them the help that they need, right? Like, you know, we're not ending our relationship because it's just not working out or because I don't feel capable of helping you. I really want you to get the best help that you can. And I, I know that you'll have the ability to be responsive to the right type of treatment. I want to help you get that. So next fear we have here is the fear that your therapist is going to tell you that you have an even quote unquote worse mental illness than say OCD or anxiety or depression. And again, this is totally possible. It's possible that by being open about certain symptoms that your therapist might start to get a feeling about a different diagnosis. This fear indicates to me the fact that this person submitted this, the fact that they're even fearful of it kind of lets me know, kind of waves a flag for me, you know, that they're probably not going to be diagnosed as a, have, of having a psychotic disorder or anything like that because they're kind of insightful enough about that. And another thought that I have is, well, if you do legitimately have a worse mental illness than that, I know that can be scary. And it's so good to get the therapy that you need for that. So we definitely don't want that to go untreated, right? So my advice for kind of reframing that is if you're fearful of this in the first place, chances are you have pretty good insight. If you're worried about and emotionally disturbed and challenged by your symptoms and you're insightful enough to know that they might be so disturbing to someone else like a therapist that they would think or worry about an even more quote unquote kind of serious diagnosis, then chances are you do not have a diagnosis that's quote unquote more severe. The insight here is a good sign, moral of the story. As a therapist, though, you can educate your clients about differential diagnosis. You can talk to them about the differences in OCD and other disorders, especially as it relates to insight. You can talk to them about how OCD kind of involves ego dystonic thoughts. Ego dystonic thoughts are when the person feels the thoughts are scary, the obsessions are inconsistent with their values. Versus when a when thoughts are or obsessions are egocentric, meaning they're enjoyable and experienced as fun and they're consistent with their values, then another diagnosis may be considered. Some psychoeducation here can really go a long way with a client who fears that they might have something else going on. The fourth fear here is that a client might be worried that the therapist is going to think that they're intrusive thoughts, meaning this kind of is specific to OCD. Um, that their intrusive thoughts are things that actually happened and they will report me or recommend that I'm hospitalized. And again, unfortunately, this could happen. I hear of this a lot, unfortunately, with moms and dads who experience postpartum issues because so little about it is known, so little of it is talked about, especially outside of the mental health world. So for example, if someone were to call a crisis hotline or talk to their medical doctor about you know, thoughts of harming their baby versus a mental health professional, I think they will kind of maybe respond a little bit differently. So again, the fact that you're scared of being judged by these thoughts as a client who has this fear, and if if you're having this insight that that's even possible, that's a good sign. Again, we can't say for sure because everything is uncertain, but when you're kind of scared of these thoughts and the presence of these thoughts and you have the insight to know that you may be judged for them, those things are on your side kind of in the OCD column, let's say. So this is why it's important if you have OCD to be seen by a mental health professional who specializes in OCD. 
because if someone who is not aware kind of of the intricacies of OCD um, and, and you're talking to them, it's really quite possible for them to think that your intrusive thoughts are things that actually happened or legitimate thoughts that you have and that you want to act on. They, these individuals, you know, crisis hotline workers or people who aren't trained in what OCD is like, they may believe that OCD kind of is based solely around contamination themes um, versus if someone kind of calls in with they're struggling with sexual intrusive thoughts and they had a thought that they wanted to inappropriately touch their little sister, they're probably going to respond differently. And I just hope that as we continue on as a field, we continue to get out there the word about OCD and train more individuals with it because I know that this is a legitimate issue for people who do reach out for help about their intrusive thoughts. If they don't reach out or are met by someone who understands it and has a good background in it, the response can be pretty negative and pretty jarring. So as a therapist, again, I would just provide lots and lots of psychoeducation here and emphasize the types of thoughts or patterns or behaviors that would maybe warrant a higher level of care versus some of the things that this client may be experiencing. So really quick, I'm just going to take a quick break while I talk about a product that I love and that helps keep the podcast going. I'll be back after this with the next couple of client fears and anxieties that keep them from opening up in session. I'm so excited to share with you guys a planner that I've had for months now, and now I have an absolutely incredible offer so that you can enjoy it with me. I've tried yearly planners, blank diaries, and everything in between, all the way from back when I was in high school. Silk and Sonder is the perfect planner that I've been waiting for for years. Silk and Sonder is a self-care monthly planner and journal subscription service, including monthly, weekly, and daily planning pages, plus activities that change each month and are targeted to help with your self-care. You'll get coloring pages, recipes, habit trackers, journaling prompts, and more. Silk and Sonder offers monthly, quarterly, annual, and gift subscriptions. It's the first ever monthly planning experience aimed to empower you to live the life that you've always wanted. Inspired by a new theme each month, they hand curate, design, and deliver each issue straight to your doorstep. You'll love each month's blend of productivity and planning, introspection and mindfulness, and lifestyle content. I've been using mine for months and I'll honestly never go back to a regular planner ever again. For 25% off your order, head to my website at jennaoverbaugh.com and click on deals. Next one is that they're fearful of a therapist actually doing something bad. So let's all just put it out there. We've, we all have heard horror stories of kind of the worst things that therapists have ever done to you or said to you. Um, I think there's a TikTok going around right now, like, tell me the worst thing that, that a therapist ever said to you. And they're pretty awful. Um, and so I think we, like I said, I think we've all ha- have, have heard of those experiences. Hopefully not many of us have had those experiences ourselves. Um, but of course, those really bad, ridiculous ones are the ones that stand out. Um, those outliers are always going to be the ones that stand out the ones who are really, really incredible, and the ones who are really, really horrible and inappropriate. The fact of the matter is that most of us really are kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, Of course, I think the vast majority of us therapists are wonderful because of the work that we do, but 
you kind of get the point. The truth is that those horror stories are in fact so rare that they hardly ever, ever happen. And just like I wouldn't want the story of a car accident or a plane crash to stop someone from getting in the car or getting in a plane, those things could happen and people definitely are fearful of those things. I also would not want someone with the fear of being hurt by a therapist to stop them from getting something that they really need. As a therapist, I would encourage you to focus on rapport building, especially if you get the feeling that your client is a little more reserved and having a hard time opening up. Especially an outpatient, I think it's okay to kind of spend more time building that therapeutic relationship and nurturing that. Giving the client some compassion, I think, is also super important because, again, we never really know what they've gone through or what they're holding on to. So just giving them some compassion and also giving ourselves as therapists some compassion because I feel like sometimes when we have unsuccessful sessions, quote unquote, or we feel like we didn't really accomplish much or get anywhere, sometimes we did. Sometimes we really did get somewhere with that person. Sometimes the progress isn't judged by us. It's judged by what the, what the client feels and how you made them feel. So sometimes we're doing good work, even if we're not actually doing the quote unquote work. Next fear is that the therapist may judge them. The client may be fearful that the therapist will have a bad reaction to the news or to sharing this information and will somehow make it worse. Again, possible, possible that anyone could judge you for anything, really. And my kickback to this is that, again, anyone could judge you. And to walk around with that fear all the time is so debilitating. And if this is something that you struggle with in particular with social anxiety and in social situations, it's a great non-threatening place to work on it in therapy with a therapist who probably specializes in those things in the first place. And also as a therapist, I can tell you, I have heard it all. (laughs) Every person I see is different. They're completely different, but I can honestly, I can't tell you the last time that someone said something to me that just shocked me or rolled me or totally threw me for a loop. We're therapists and we went into the work that we do knowing that we would not hear the most upbeat, uplifting things every day. Another thing you can do as a client is to kind of treat it like an experiment. Go in there, try to take the pressure off and just treat it like a behavioral experiment. You're going in and you're going to give it a try, treat it like an exposure and try to see what happens. As a therapist, on the other hand, again, I would encourage you to work on rapport building. Normalize some of these fears that are associated with opening up in therapy. Maybe doing some selective self-disclosure here might be helpful too. I know when people are clearly struggling to open up with me sometimes, I will just kind of lay it out there and be super direct in saying, listen, I know this is really awkward, but I really, really want to help you. And I know I feel really strongly that we can help you. I'm not going to judge you. I just want to know what's going on so that I can help support you. Sometimes there are even opportunities for icebreakers. So especially in OCD work, we can talk about some things that can get pretty awkward or gross, like vomit or feces or urine. And if someone is really struggling, I will just 100% lay it out there and say, you know what? I talk about people, about sex and urine and poop all the time. So I bet I can handle whatever it is that you throw at me. And at the very least, it kind of gets them to laugh. And usually they open up after that. Um, So moving on to the next one, maybe there is something about the therapist that makes the client uncomfortable. 
So this may or may not be legitimate. Um, so you have to kind of ask yourself whether your discomfort is based in something legitimate, meaning you have evidence of inappropriate behavior or something else that was inappropriate. Um, so something that was that legitimately made you uncomfortable that you really logically feel outside of your anxious thinking is wrong and inappropriate and not okay. If that's the case, then it's okay to find a different therapist. But of course, you need to also consider whether something about your therapist is making you uncomfortable because it's really just your anxiety. Maybe it's your anxiety driving the ship, wanting to sabotage any opportunity that you have at getting well. If you feel comfortable enough, it might even be good to try to share this with your therapist in session. An example might be if maybe someone experienced a trauma with a male and then has a male therapist. That can be super, super challenging for that person. So this might be something in a therapeutic fashion that you and your therapist can kind of work through together. But ask yourself, what is triggering you about your therapist? Kind of be willing to get curious about it. What is causing you to be anxious or uncomfortable about them? Get curious, like I said, about your trigger as it relates to your therapist. Ask yourself, where the heck is that coming from? Um, What do you think it means? What's unhealed? You know, what needs addressing in regards to that trigger? Triggers being activated. And I have a whole podcast episode on triggers and kind of what they mean about you. So definitely go and check that out if you feel like this is really resonating with you. But triggers being activated are kind of your body's and your mind's way of alerting you that there's still work to be done in some area. And talking to your therapist about this so you guys can work through it together is seriously a really valuable opportunity. And as far as advice for therapists go, if this is your concern with a client, then it might help to just bring that concern out onto the table. If this is your concern, try maybe normalizing that as an issue. Again, that this therapeutic relationship can be kind of complicated and complex and come with a lot of big emotions and that you want to be there to help them work through that. Ensure that you're just doing what you can to create an open, warm, and safe, non-judgmental space for them to share what it is that's potentially making them uncomfortable. Next one, they're just not sure how to get it out. Maybe it just feels too complicated and kind of they're too flustered about it. Maybe there's a big trauma that they've never talked about before and they're just not sure how to get it out. This can be scary. It can feel like maybe you don't want to go there. And if you don't, that's okay. You have to make that decision for yourself. Just know that if you don't talk about it, it does not get better and it can potentially get worse. Actually, chances are it probably will get worse. Also know again that there isn't really anything that we therapists haven't been, you know, talked to about before or that we haven't at least braced ourselves for by getting involved in this field. Chances are you are not going to be the client who drops such a huge conversational or therapeutic bomb on us that we cannot recover from our jobs or from the relationship with you. We're there to help you and we want to help you. And as far as getting it out as the client goes, just trying to be honest and prefacing it with something like, I'm having a really hard time getting this out. There's been something that I've been wanting to talk to you about, but it makes me super uncomfortable. So I'm just going to go slow and try my best. For therapist recommendations, again, lots of education of the above. Normalizing their experience that being in a kind of therapeutic relationship like this can be complicated and scary. Also talk to them about the importance of talking about these traumas and the ways that 
you might be able to talk to them or kind of help them through that, what the therapy process might look like if that's what they're struggling with, so on and so forth. And then the last one here is that it just feels awkward. And the two recommendations here, the two kickbacks that I have is it comes down to radical acceptance. Like this is kind of radical acceptance is from Marsha Linehan's uh, dialectical behavioral therapy. Um, And it just means it is what it is. So when we're faced with a difficult topic or situation, it's good to practice radical acceptance by adopting this mindset or this attitude of it is what it is. It means we can experience our pain and not let it become suffering. So when we feel awkward in therapy or we have a hard time sharing in therapy, but we really, really want to, it's good to practice radical acceptance and knowing it is what it is. It's going to be awkward at times. Life is awkward at times, especially in therapy. It is what it is, and it might be something you have to do in order to get the treatment that you want and need and deserve. Also, at the same time, just being compassionate with yourself. Be okay having small, manageable goals and realistic expectations rather than laying everything out on the table if that's something that works better for you. Keep in mind, it's good to have gone to therapy at all and to take that leap. So the fact that you're even considering it or have made the appointment or have showed up to the appointment, that means that you have done or you are doing something that's very challenging and you're doing something to help yourself out in the long run. So that's awesome. That's absolutely incredible. It's not an easy task. So make sure that you're giving yourself a pat on the back for that and kind of celebrating your victory there. As far as a therapist recommendation goes for this, again, just tons of psychoeducation lots of normalizing, and lots of compassion towards yourself and, again, the client, knowing that it's an awkward time for them and trust that they're just doing the best that they can. Okay, now that that's all said and done, I'll do a recap really quickly. So one, worried that they're not going to express themselves correctly. Two, worried that they're going to be told that they're way too severe. Three, even they're going to end up with an even worse, quote-unquote, diagnosis or mental illness. Four. They might think the therapist thinks that their intrusive thoughts actually happened. They'll get reported, being recommended to hospitalize, whatever. Um, Five, they're fearful of a therapist acting badly or inappropriately. Six, maybe they're afraid of being judged or the therapist having a bad reaction. Next, uh, maybe they're uncertain about the therapist. You know, they're, they're just getting a weird vibe from the therapist. Maybe there's something about the therapist that's triggering to them. Uh, Next last one, not sure how to get it out. They're just really flustered. They don't really know where to start. It's all tangled up in their head and they can't get it out. And the nine is that it just feels awkward. So my hope is that if you're a client, you got some validation here and also some understanding of new ways to think about or kind of consider your concerns. I also wanted to provide the therapist feedback or kind of some kickback to those concerns so you could see our perspective and what we think about those things. Also, if you're a therapist, I hope these recommendations were helpful as far as how to be aware of and kind of how to handle these concerns from a client in your sessions. And ultimately, it's not enough to just be aware of these concerns. You might now, if you're a client, maybe you're ready to take that next step and you're actually ready to challenge yourself to open up. And my next episode is going to be on exactly that. So if you're a client and you want to know more about how to challenge yourself to open up in session, definitely come back for that next episode. And if you're a therapist needing just a little bit of recommendations for how to have your client open up in the next episode, that's going to be helpful for you too. So stay tuned. More on that 
In the meanwhile, thank you guys for listening. Again, if you're a client going to therapy or even considering it, I know from personal and clinical experience that that is not easy to do. And I am really proud of all of you for doing the hard stuff in order to do what's well and valued for you. So it's it's not easy, but it's so, so worth it. And if you're a therapist, then obviously you kick ass. And I love what you're doing. I love what we stand for for our clients. And I love that you're here to learn more about your clients and how to serve them. So in the meanwhile, you guys, keep doing all the hard things. For more information and resources, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure that you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and more. Also, check me out on Instagram at jenna.overbaugh and tune into some other episodes here while you're at it. As always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other people who need these resources and they otherwise may not get them. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.